Sins of the Flesh A Good Omens Fic Written by Noodlefrog and read by Literarian Summary Angels are forbidden from giving their bodies genitals. Crowley and Hazira fell figure out how to have sex anyway. Or, to put it even more bluntly, this is a fic where Aziraphale possesses a dildo. Chapter 1 Sex? What sex? In those first few days after the Antichrist was born, Crowley spent a lot of his time sprawled out on the sofa in Aziraphale's bookshop. Even after the angel had agreed to help prevent the apocalypse, there was quite a lot of planning that still needed doing. Quite a lot of alcohol that needed to be imbibed. Quite a lot of long, comfortable silences for Crowley to slip into and pretend were moments from some other, better reality where he got to sit around and enjoy the angel's company whenever he liked – not just when the fate of the earth hung in the balance. As it turned out, Crowley wasn't the only one of the pair of them with a lot on his mind. One night, as any actual planning petered out and they had begun drinking in earnest, Aziraphale did the unthinkable and let himself speak his mind. I don't want the world to end. Aziraphale said rather suddenly. He was slurring a little, his eyes trying valiantly to focus on Crowley's face. As he processed his own words, a look of clarity briefly lit up his features. I don't, not at all, but, but, especially not without... He cut himself off with a wince. Hmm? Crowley asked, concentrating on pouring himself more wine. He gave Aziraphale a bit of time to explain himself without the pressure of eyes on him, but no explanation seemed forthcoming. When he looked up, though, he saw that the angel was profoundly flushed and trembling, staring at his own hands gripping the fabric of his trousers like they were the only tether tying him to earth. Pickled as Crowley's brain was at the moment, he did still have the wherewithal to connect two very obvious dots. He set the wine aside, only sloshing a little onto the tabletop and straightened up where he sat. Or tried to, anyway. Yeah? Crowley asked. Go on, then. What do you want, Aziraphale? That was apparently the wrong thing to say, because Aziraphale squeezed his eyes shut and shook his head hard. Not allowed, he said, and he sounded close to tears. All Crowley wanted to do was slither off the sofa and wrap the angel up in his arms. That would probably only frighten him, though. Best not. 
That doesn't really narrow it down much, Angel, Crowley said, trying to sound sympathetic instead of impatient. Which he wasn't. He could wait until the sun burned out for Aziraphale to tell him. It was just that the sun burning out was more of an immediate problem these days than it had been in the past. Aziraphale laughed. Quiet and a little watery. <laughs> You're right. No, it doesn't. There's so much, none of it allowed. And yet. He gave a long, shuddering sigh, then straightened his shoulders like a soldier about to charge into battle. The effect was only slightly marred by the way he was listing over a bit sideways in his chair. I suppose the smaller of those ones is that, well, I'd hate for it all to end without ever being able to, to make love to you. Crowley's breath caught in his throat. You can, you know, he said. Always want that. I can get the stuff and then, anyway, you'd want it. Anyway. The angel gave him a pained smile. I don't mean... I mean real love-making, Crowley. He closed his eyes again. I mean the way I can't. From Crowley's point of view, all the sex they'd been having for the last thousand years counted as real sex. What they'd done on this very sofa just last night was real sex to him. He knew, though, that it helped Aziraphale to be able to tell himself that it wasn't. The angel needed to be able to let himself believe that he was technically not breaking any rules so long as they didn't have sex that one particular way. Crowley wasn't a big enough asshole to pop that fantasy for Aziraphale, at least not on purpose. The problem was, not being allowed to do one thing made that one thing seem ridiculously appealing. Forbidden fruit and all that. It was the ruin of humans throughout history, right from the beginning, and they'd both been here long enough for humanity to rub off on them. Aziraphale was normally good at resisting temptation, but this? This was the most direct attempt Crowley had ever heard the angel make to tell him that he wanted more. Crowley exhaled hard, stunned a bit at how much it must have cost Aziraphale to say as much out loud. Fuck, but Crowley wanted to go over there and hold him. The angel just looked so miserable. Distance, though, was necessary right now. Crowley wouldn't be the demon he was if he couldn't tell when a person was right on the verge of crumbling and giving in to temptation. Even now, with enough alcohol in his system to kill a human, 
Crowley could see that Aziraphale was at his breaking point. If Crowley crawled in his lap right now, maybe whispered something comforting in his ear, it would all be over. They'd fuck like Aziraphale clearly wanted to, but this time with an effort of the angel's very own making in the starring role. It would be fun. Crowley would enjoy himself a lot. The angel would have as many orgasms as he bloody well liked, and they'd be happy for a while. Until Aziraphale's bosses found out. They couldn't risk that, not so close to the end. If there was to be any chance at all of stopping the apocalypse, they had to fly under the radar. Do everything they could not to get caught. Besides, Crowley would rather set himself on fire than treat Aziraphale like some kind of means to an end. Like some kind of... of thing to be used. As especially when they were both so drunk and stressed and desperate. It would be a violation of trust. He'd never want to exploit Aziraphale's bravery like that, because that's what this was. It was bravery, putting words to what he wanted after working so hard to crawl out from under the weight of heaven's orders. There were a lot of things Aziraphale did on earth that heaven wouldn't approve of. Many of those things had to do with Crowley himself, but some of them were such small little rebellions that it made Crowley ache to watch Aziraphale try to hide them or rationalize them away. Indulging in food and alcohol, for one. Books. Music. But heaven had never forbidden those things. Not explicitly. Just like heaven hadn't ever been clever enough to think to specifically ban angels from working with demons. They assumed it wouldn't be possible, so here Crowley and Aziraphale were, a thousand years into the arrangement, and doing great. Heaven had also never thought to ban angels from loving demons. Even though they weren't safe enough to say as much, Crowley knew how Aziraphale felt. For each of those things Heaven had forgotten to order him not to do, Aziraphale had always been able to find loopholes in the rules he'd been given seek out interpretations of his own actions that could make them feel less transgressive. Sometimes it took him a century. Sometimes he needed Crowley's help to frame things in a better way, to tempt him into trying what he already wanted to do. But no matter how he did it, Aziraphale always found a way around heaven's unspoken boundaries. There were other rules, though, that were very much not unspoken. Laws, really. 
ironclad orders. Aziz Raphael didn't even try to find a way around those. It seemed to terrify him to even contemplate it. He didn't see any choice but to accept them as immovable barriers in his life and then to try to change himself to fit between them. One of those explicitly stated rules was the one about making an effort and having sex. It wasn't like indulging in food or books, or even chatting a bit with Crowley if they happened to be working in the same area at the same time. Sex was forbidden for angels, and Aziraphale knew he would be punished harshly if he did it anyway. No amount of posturing about how he was only appreciating humanity and their creations would save him, not like it probably would if some wanker from upstairs popped in on him to ask him to explain why he was eating a donut and thumbing through a Georgette Heyer novel. With sex, Aziraphale's only options here were either total abstinence or finding a way to wiggle through some very tiny, very technical loopholes. They both figured they were doomed anyway if anyone found out about the arrangement, so they didn't see the point of keeping their hands to themselves while they were already risking their lives. Hence the thousand-year-long arms race they'd had with the definition of sex itself. Crowley knew Aziraphale well enough by now to know when the angel was asking Crowley to tempt him, when he was asking Crowley to tell him that what he wanted to do wasn't so bad, really. This, though? It wasn't something Crowley could phrase a different way for him. Plus, as much as Aziraphale clearly wanted this, the fact he'd said anything about it out loud at all was pretty astonishing. Crowley could tell that the angel was also fucking terrified. He wasn't asking Crowley to help him push past the fear, though Crowley suspected he would let Crowley do it if he tried. But he wouldn't try. Not like this. Not when they were so drunk and so scared and wouldn't want to sober up yet and face the rest of the fear they'd already drowned in wine. But maybe... Maybe Aziraphale was asking Crowley for something here. Not an alternative interpretation of a rule, but maybe an alternative method. A creative solution to an old and thorny problem. I'll think of something, Crowley promised the angel. Aziraphale looked over at him. He must have been biting his lip pretty hard, Crowley realized, for the spot on his lip where his teeth had been to take so long blooming back from pale to pink. We, I can't. You know what the rule is. I do, Crowley said, nodding slowly. 
he risked reaching out across the divide between them and clasping Aziraphale's hand in his own. Thankfully, Aziraphale didn't startle at the touch. Even still, he could feel how fast the angel's heart was beating through the thin skin of his wrist. And I'll think of something. Something that won't break the rule. You always do, <laughs> Aziraphale said at last. He laughed, quiet and shaky, but it sounded like relief. Like trust. Come sit over on the sofa with me, Crowley asked and wriggled over to make room. Aziraphale pushed out of his chair and practically collapsed into him, and Crowley did his best to make the embrace of his own bony body feel welcoming. They wouldn't try anything tonight. The temptation to give in and break the rule was just too strong, and the dread from the world's ticking clock just a little too loud. Tonight, they just sit together on the sofa and breathe. There would be time for more plotting and planning in the morning. For now, they'd sleep. Right there on the sofa, pressed together like the pages of a book. What Aziraphale wanted, what he'd asked for, was a simple thing. He wanted to grow himself some sort of genital apparatus involve it with Crowley's genital apparatus, and then mash the pair of those together until he and Crowley both came. Maybe multiple times in a row. It shouldn't be that big of an ask, and Crowley wanted it too. He definitely wanted it. But that kind of sex wasn't feasible for them. They always had to find some workaround, given that Aziraphale didn't have any genitals or the option of changing his body at all. Originally, angels had been allowed to tweak their corporations around however they liked to better fit in with the humans, including giving themselves fully functional genitals if they wanted to. Crowley didn't know how many of the other side had partaken of that option, but he did know that Aziraphale had a set early on. That had been before he and Crowley had even thought about fooling around together, or at least before they'd thought about acting on those thoughts. But Crowley had caught an eyeful by accident on a few occasions. An unavoidable consequence of flying around in robes before the advent of undergarments. Or swimming before the advent of swimsuits. As for whether Aziraphale had ever used those genitals before heaven issued the recall, well... 
Crowley didn't have concrete proof of his hunch, but he knew his hedonistic angel well enough to suspect that Aziraphale had probably figured out the pleasures of his own body when the earth was still new. He at least didn't seem to be totally clueless about the process when they started getting physical later on. But then, about 4,000 years ago, some angels had gone and ruined it for the rest of them. Making horrible little angel-human hybrid babies with mortals, ones that had stopped being little very quickly and went on to become gigantic. The important part, though, at least to Crowley's mind, was that those angels had gotten caught doing as much. Heaven had punished the ones who did it, of course, apparently pretty decisively. And then, because heaven never did anything halfway, they had punished the rest of the angels too. Banished everyone's genitals to the void. A terrifying display of power in any office setting taking the initiative to remove the possibility of future temptations to sins of the flesh, they'd apparently said. Having genitals was unnecessary for the function of their corporations, Heaven had said, and unnecessary for the performance of their duties. So they'd just... deleted them all. Aziraphale had miserably explained the whole thing a few hundred years ago, on a night when he was even drunker than he was tonight. Crowley had known by then, of course, about Aziraphale's changed anatomy and Heaven's hardline stance on angels not fucking. He had wondered before then if Aziraphale's situation was some unique punishment, but never wanted to make the angel feel like he owed it to him to tell him. The fact that it was apparently a collective punishment didn't sit well with Crowley either. Heaven apparently liked that whole thing. So did Hell. It wasn't a bad way to keep your site's whole workforce terrified and compliant and willing to rat each other out for minor infractions of the rules. The whole lot of them upstairs were as blank between the legs as doll bodies now because having anything there was treated as an admission of guilt. Of wanting to fuck someone which was treated as being just about as bad as having already done so. Aziraphale never specified what would happen to him if he got caught sporting a cock or a cunt or a bright red button that said press here for sexual gratification, but Crowley had worked for hell long enough to know that the options were as varied as they were horrific. Crowley also knew well enough by now that setting down rules like that and enforcing them by fear didn't work perfectly forever. Eventually, people always got used to them. 
They might not ever stop being afraid of the consequences, but given enough time, they might stop being afraid to think about the rules at all. They might start thinking up ways to follow the letter of those rules instead of following their spirit. Heaven had banned sexual intercourse. Those were their specific words. They'd also banned angels from modifying their bodies to give themselves the kind of attachments that made sexual intercourse a bit more straightforward. Then, having done exactly those two things and nothing else, they'd apparently patted themselves on their feathery backs and considered it a job well done. The unimaginative bastards upstairs hadn't realized that the humans had already gotten a lot more creative about fucking than just slotting tab A into slot B even 4,000 years ago when they'd first laid down that blunt implement of a rule. And the humans hadn't ever stopped finding new ways to fuck. Sex had continued to get even more complicated and variable over the elapsing centuries, until nowadays when they didn't even need to be in the same room together to fuck. When he and Haziraphale had first started having this kind of conversation, Crowley had been able to look to those tenacious humans and see proof that there was truly very little that could stop people from fucking when they wanted to, no matter what parts they did or didn't have. It was inspiring, even if it could also be a bit disturbing sometimes. As it had turned out, Sex very much was something Aziraphale was interested in having, so he and Crowley had made like humans and got creative. They had been fooling around for almost a thousand years now, starting right about the inception of the arrangement itself. Aziraphale had found out about Crowley's attraction to him and... Instead of smiting him for a lecher and a demon, he'd been curious. At first, all the angel had wanted to do was watch Crowley touch himself. Then, a few decades later, Aziraphale had blushed and asked if Crowley would want to let Aziraphale lie there in the bed with him while he did it. After another two decades, he'd blushed and asked Crowley if he wanted to try rubbing himself off on Aziraphale's bottom. Or, later, on his thighs. A big step had been when he'd asked Crowley to try it between his thighs. By the end of the first half-century of the arrangement, Aziraphale had even begun to wonder if it might not be so bad if Crowley got himself off by thrusting into Aziraphale's hands. By the time the Industrial Revolution had kicked off, he'd moved on to asking about what it might be like to have Crowley fuck his mouth. 
At the same time Aziraphale had been testing his limits with having his own body touched, they'd also been figuring out his limits when it came to touching Crowley's body. Those clever humans had been making toys for millennia by the time Crowley and Aziraphale developed a use for them, and gosh, did they find uses for them. Crowley certainly wasn't averse to letting Aziraphale fuck him with a dildo. Most of the time, Aziraphale was comfortable with it too. There wasn't even any requirement for skin-to-skin contact. Plus, if he were to fuck Crowley with something made out of stone or metal or bone instead of something made of his own flesh and blood, then Aziraphale could tell himself that what they did couldn't be counted as a sin of the flesh. There was, however, a brief period during the time when leather was a popular dildo-making material that Crowley heard the angel tweak the phrasing of his internal argument ever so slightly to instead insist that it didn't count because it wasn't a sin of his flesh. It was the most transparent technicality, and Crowley loved the bastard for it. There were a lot of times over the years when Aziraphale's rationalizations did feel a bit strained, especially when he was saying the equivalent of sex? What sex? after making Crowley come so hard he cried. But Aziraphale had always managed to get himself back under control again. For Crowley's part, he had long since learned not to push too hard on the stories Aziraphale needed to tell himself. There was a lot of pleasure to be found in those early experimentations, and most of it was Crowley's. Aziraphale swore every time that he was enjoying himself too, even if he was denied physical pleasure of his own. But even though Aziraphale wasn't getting off on the things they did together, he definitely seemed to like it for his own reasons. To Crowley's surprise and delight, he kept asking if they could do it again. Still, Crowley had lingering doubts of his own. Questions he wanted answered. Questions he couldn't ask Aziraphale about without making the angel talk about things he was consistently firm about not wanting to discuss. Early on, Aziraphale had done a pretty good job of pretending that he was content to pleasure Crowley but not get any for himself because that was his preference, but Crowley maintained his suspicions. Then, a few weeks after he had given Crowley the thermos full of holy water that was currently sitting in a walled safe in Crowley's flat, Aziraphale had gotten very very drunk, and started talking. 
he let slip a few things he'd been concealing, like the fact that he'd been ignoring his own lack of pleasure to keep from dwelling on something he didn't think he could have. He let slip how fiercely he longed to feel. A few nights after that, Aziraphale had worked up the nerve to ask Crowley to finger him. That had been the night they discovered that Aziraphale still had a prostate and a whole bunch of new options had presented themselves. After all, as Aziraphale had reasoned, if it were truly forbidden for him to get pleasure in that way, surely heaven would have banished his prostate along with the rest of his kids. Once Crowley learned about computer hacking, he had a lot of fun joking about it being a literal backdoor in the system, and Aziraphale had a lot of fun pretending to be cross at him for his crass jokes. Naturally, Aziraphale wasn't ever going to be comfortable with Crowley fucking him with his own personal cock. Even if Aziraphale never made an effort, that kind of thing was probably less like exploiting a loophole and more like blatantly disregarding heaven's direct orders. Even if they never got caught, such a thing would wreak havoc on Aziraphale's peace of mind. So, as a result, Crowley hadn't ever suggested it. He'd never wanted to push the angel on that or offer something he knew Aziraphale couldn't take. Besides, there were other ways he could make Aziraphale feel good. He couldn't use his cock, but Crowley had hands and a tongue, and the latter of those could do some really weird things. They had quickly figured out that if Aziraphale got enough stimulation to his prostate, he could have orgasms, though it was often a difficult thing to achieve. Crowley had taken it upon himself to do a lot of experimenting on that front on his own corporation, temporarily banishing his own genitals and testing the sensations seeing what worked and what didn't. What could feel good? After exhaustive testing, Crowley concluded that while the orgasms he got that way were pleasurable, they were also more diffused and less intense than it felt when he had a cock or a cunt to focus the sensation. He did also discover, though, that without a cock, he also didn't have to bother with a refractory period, and so, on nights when he and Aziraphale could steal a few hours back to back, they could go front to front, or back to front, or end to end, and he could show the angel a very good time. So, yeah. Even if one kind of sex was off the table for them, they still had options. Good options. They'd been fucking for about a millennium now, and Aziraphale hadn't gotten bored of it yet. 
Aziraphale seemed happy with it, even if he needed to talk himself up beforehand and rationalize it to himself after. Even if he needed to trick himself into believing they hadn't just had sex, sometimes while he was actively in the process of wiping cum off his sofa with a takeout napkin. No matter how blatant the excuses became, though, Crowley refused to judge the angel for the lies he needed to tell himself about this. Neither of them owned their own lives or their own bodies. Hell had certainly done things to Crowley that he hadn't liked, just like they had made Crowley do things he hadn't liked. Who would he be if he thought poorly of Aziraphale for doing what he had to in order to allow himself to feel any pleasure at all? Crowley was fucking proud of his angel. In just a thousand years he'd come so far. He was so terrified of his superiors. And with good reason, since they'd stolen his fucking sex organs and threatened to brutalize him if he ever grew new ones. And yet here he was, making his life into what he wanted it to be. Figuring out what he liked, even after they tried to stop him. Crowley was gradually becoming convinced that once Aziraphale made up his mind to do something, no force in heaven or hell could stop him. Once Aziraphale himself figured that out too, well, Crowley just hoped heaven and hell would be smart enough to stay out of the angel's way. There were times when they were together and Aziraphale would act so emboldened. Times when it felt like they were just a hair's breadth away from shattering heaven's rules so decisively that even Aziraphale, master of self-denial, wouldn't be capable of ignoring the truth of what they were doing the truth of what they were to each other. They always stayed on this side of that line, though. Even when they would strip down to nothing but skin and sweat and desire. Even when one of them would wear the dildo on a harness and they'd press so close together they could pretend for a few minutes that heaven and hell had no say in the ways they touched one another. Other times, Aziraphale struggled to get out of his own head. He still wanted, though, so they found ways to put him at ease. Those were usually clothes-on encounters. Over the years, Crowley spent a lot of minor demonic miracles cleaning fluids out of the inside of his trousers, but he didn't mind it. It was sex with Aziraphale, no matter how it happened, which meant that Crowley was still the luckiest bastard in the world. The only part of it that bothered him was that he hated seeing the angel so anxious and doubtful of himself. 
Crowley also did still worry that Aziraphale was getting the short end of the stick with this whole relationship. All of the same risk that Crowley took on, but with a smaller share of the pleasure. But the angel always swore that he was content with what he had. Swore he didn't want more. Swore that it didn't bother him that heaven had meddled so intimately with his body and his life. For a long time, Crowley accepted that lie too, just like Aziraphale had so clearly tried to do. But now, just a few precious years away from the beginning of the end, Crowley found that he couldn't go on helping Aziraphale deny himself the kinds of pleasure he craved. Not when there might be another option. Especially after that blatant expression of desire the angel had confessed to the night before. If Aziraphale wanted the kind of sex heaven had explicitly forbidden, and it seemed like he really did, even as much as it also scared him, Crowley knew that he would move heaven and earth to get them as close as he could to the genuine article without putting Aziraphale in danger. As it happened, Crowley ended up not needing to move either heaven or earth, just a couple of ounces of silicon. It did take him about a day and a half to do some testing and work out the finer details of his plan, but all he ended up needing to do for said plan was to go on a supply run at a Soho sex shop. Not the one next door to the angel's place, though. Aziraphale was too friendly with his human neighbors and, unfortunately, they also seemed to recognize Crowley on sight by now. It wouldn't be wise to risk leaving a paper trail that could be connected back to an angel who, as far as heaven was concerned, should have stopped having sexual thoughts 4,000 years ago he transported his purchases to the bookshop inside a sleek metal briefcase that was left over for a job a decade back, the kind of thing favoured by bank robbers and arms dealers the world over. It had previously held, well, typical heist stuff. Definitely never a couple of dildos and a few other sundry items of that nature. Still, the black padded foam inside the case knew what was expected of it and reformed itself to fit the shape of its new contents. Crowley could have carried everything over there in the poly bag the shop gave him, but he thought that since he was already defying heaven's will to have a secret affair with an angel from enemy forces, he might as well let himself have some fun with it and embrace the aesthetic of the whole thing. It definitely felt worth it when he swaggered into the bookshop, briefcase swinging lazily from his fingers, and gave his angel a wicked grin. 
Aziraphale, for his part, got adorably flustered for a moment before he rallied and shooed all two of the humans out the door so he could flip the sign to close. What the devil? Aziraphale asked him once they were alone in the back room. Have you brought into my shop? Only the next phase in my brilliant plan. Crowley told him, sliding the briefcase onto the table and himself into a chair. Aziraphale kept his distance, checking back over his shoulder before staring dubiously at Crowley's hands as he fiddled with the combination lock. In a whisper, he asked, Is it some sort of weapon? A tool to help us with the Antichrist? Crowley had only just gotten the case opened by a crack when he paused. He could see a glimpse of bright-coloured silicone inside, taunting him, and he shut the lid again. Bless it. Demons shouldn't physically be able to blush, and yet here he was, being exceptional for all the wrong reasons. Uh, no. Sorry, different brilliant plan. Completely unrelated to the Antichrist, though, if you'd rather, this can wait and we can... The angel sat himself in the chair opposite Crowley's. No, no, that's quite all right. You've piqued my curiosity. How many brilliant plans do you have in operation right now, you wily serpent? More than you could ever hope to thwart, O guardian of the eastern gate, Crowley told him, leaning on the familiarity of their banter to steady his sudden and ridiculous nerves. He took his sunglasses off, polished them on his trouser leg, and hooked them from his jacket pocket. It wasn't stalling, just... Just a thing to do with his hands while he picked out the words he wanted to use. Amazingly, for all his planning, he'd quite forgotten about planning for how to bloody bring this up. Short of whipping out a dildo and suction cupping it to the table, he was coming up short on ideas. Try me, oh terrible adversary from the pit! Aziraphale countered, raising his eyebrows and giving Crowley a look of pure, haughty bastardry that shot straight through the core of him. Exactly the kind of look that made Crowley want to kiss it off the angel's beautiful, bastardly face. I've been keeping one step ahead of your devious schemes for six thousand years now. What makes you think I'd falter now? Fuck. Aziraphale wasn't wrong. Crowley knew he didn't need to be nervous. Not here. Not with his angel. He'd known him as long as he'd known the earth. No one had ever been a constant for him like Aziraphale had. He exhaled and willed his shoulders to relax. The last time I came over, night before last, Crowley began, fixing Aziraphale with a look he hoped would communicate significance without being intimidating.
You told me something. To his credit, Aziraphale was a clever angel and quick on the uptake. He only looked puzzled for a few seconds before his expression crumpled into one of mortification, face blazing pink as bold as any sunrise. I... I was... Please, whatever it was that I said, remember that I was very, very intoxicated at the time. Aziraphale stammered, though the strength of his reaction told Crowley that he remembered exactly what he told him. All you did was tell me that you wanted something, Crowley said, keeping his voice steady and even. That's not an evil thing. Trust me, I know. Want is my whole job. Wanting something, that's... That's purely a neutral thing. People want all sorts of things. It only becomes a problem if you're willing to screw someone over to get it, and you're not, because this is freely offered on my part. Aziraphale met his gaze, piercing serpent eyes and all, and swallowed. You... I remember you told me you'd... That you'd figure something out. I did say that, yeah. Did you? Aziraphale asked him, his voice so small, so hopeful. I... maybe. I think I did. Crowley drummed his fingers on the metal lid of the suitcase. I tested it on myself yesterday, and it seemed to work all right, but I wanted to... to talk to you about it. See if it would be something you'd be okay to try. His angel looked down at the case, then up at Crowley's face. Tell me what I need to do. Well, that was a promising sign. Crowley drummed his fingers a bit faster. Right, so I got the basic idea of this from the concept of demonic possession. Demonic possession? Aziraphale repeated in a squawk, his eyes going wide. Don't be ridiculous, Crowley. Have you forgotten that I'm an angel? You can't possess me. Crowley held his hands up to gesture for Aziraphale to wait a moment. No, no, you're absolutely right on that. Wouldn't dream of it. Or maybe he would, later. The idea wasn't unappealing. My point is that, that we're just in vessels, right? Pardon? These, the, the bodies, our corporations, Crowley said, waving his hand up and down his torso for emphasis. He also wiggled them at Hazirafel's torso, for good measure. They're just vessels, containers. If we get hurt badly enough that our bodies die, we don't die. We just vacate the premises, discorporate, go hang around in the queue for a few years until head of his signs off on giving us new bodies. All right. Aziraphale said, still sounding wary. 
But I can also leave my body willingly if I choose to. Hop over into someone else's body for a bit, stash my normal body in a cubby somewhere so people don't trip over it and go take some mortal for a joyride. Crowley did not mention the fact that said joyrides were often accompanied by the soundtrack of said mortal's internal screaming. Often, but not always. It was rare that he lucked out and possessed someone with a sense of humour about the whole thing, but it did happen on occasion. The important thing is that the body I'm borrowing isn't mine. I don't have to check it back in downstairs when I'm done with it. I just leave and go back to my real body. Anything that happens in that borrowed body is something Dagen will just have to take my word on when she reads my report on it. Aziraphale stared down at the suitcase in dawning horror. Crowley, tell me there's not a body in there. No. Absolutely not. Promise. I haven't snatched a corpse in at least three centuries, and that was for science, Crowley said, grinning. He rapped on the lid with his knuckles. What I have in here is made of 100% artificial material. Man-made, I guarantee it. Plus, don't you think this is a bit small of a case to fit a whole body? If it's one of those, those inflatable sex dolls, Aziraphale said, pronouncing the words with crisp disdain. I'm throwing you out of my shop. Now there's an idea, Crowley laughed. <laughs> no, no, I'm not trying to slip you into a new body. You're staying in this one right where you belong. I'm just going to, um, lend you the relevant hardware for the task at hand. You've lost me, Aziraphale said. You were talking about, about possession and discorporation. I would hope that neither of those things would be applicable to our experimentations. The vague hand gestures Crowley was making somehow seemed to do very little to reassure the angel. He tried using more words. Well, it isn't a binary thing. You have more options than just in your body or totally discorporated, Crowley said. It is possible to, well, to grab just a bit of yourself and stick it somewhere else. What do you mean? Crowley sighed heavily. <sighs> Look, I don't like doing possession assignments. There are much easier ways to do the same thing, and I always leave them feeling like I need a shower. He paused, trying to figure out exactly how much information was necessary to disclose to get the point of his story across. It wasn't a flattering story, but it was a Aziraphale. The angel had been so stressed out, especially in recent days, so he could probably do with a laugh. So, this one job. 
There was this man in Nantucket. Aziraphale clicked his tongue at him. Crowley, this is hardly the time for limericks. The only thing in the entire cosmos that stopped Crowley from answering, it's always time for limericks, was the fact that he couldn't think of a dirty enough rhyme for botched demonic possession. Instead, he said, Of course it isn't. Get your mind out of the guts, Aziraphale. I'm just trying to explain a method by which you might be able to fuck my brains out. Crowley wiggled his eyebrows at the angel's shocked expression. Figuratively, of course. Figuratively, Aziraphale repeated weakly. He waved a hand. All right, go on then, you wretched fiend. Make your explanations. As I was saying about this human being from the island of Nantucket, Crowley said, then grimaced a bit at the memory. In my defense, it looked like he was asleep. Oh my. Aziraphale said, folding his hands under his chin in a gesture of peak bitchiness. Am I going to need popcorn for this story? Crowley ignored him. You're supposed to put them in a trance before you possess them, burning a whole other demonic miracle in the process, mind. I'm glad downstairs has finally decided to face the blessed things out, he made a face in the general direction of the floorboards. But before they figured out on their own what I'd been telling them for thousands of years, Hell told me to go over there and possess this guy. It was a long flight, and when I got there, he looked like he was asleep, so I just hopped in. I take it the gentleman didn't appreciate the intrusion. That's an understatement. He got up and started running around screaming and I... Crowley said, wriggling his fingers in a manner reminiscent of spaghetti trying its best to untangle itself from a clogged shower drain. Well, I wasn't all the way out of my body yet. So up he gets and my corporation goes with him. He ended up dragging me around behind him like a pair of fallen trousers. No! Aziraphale gasped, infuriatingly delighted. I'm sorry I missed it. It sounds quite a bit like that time you got thrown by that horse outside Liverpool and got your foot stuck in the stirrup. Oh, this was a lot worse, Crowley promised him. How? Aziraphale asked. Because at the time I tried to possess the man, I was shaped like a snake, Crowley said, and even though he was smiling too, he valiantly continued trying to speak over Aziraphale's laughter. I didn't have any hands to grab him, so my body was just flopping around. Utterly useless, Totally undignified. I felt like nothing more sinister than a string of wayward sausages. 
took me two whole minutes to wrestle the rest of my mind inside of his so I could carry my cooperation back to where I'd originally hidden it. I am dreadfully sorry for this hit you took to your dignity, <laughs> Aziraphale said, giggling slightly. He took a deep breath and tried to finish calming himself down. <laughs> but I still don't see how any of this is supposed to help my situation. Just do what I did, Crowley said, then amended his statement. Don't do the snake thing, though, and do it on purpose. But I'm trying to suggest that you can just... Shove a little of your awareness outside of this body and into a new container. Put it back where it was when you're done feeling whatever you want to feel. You get what you want, and your own heaven-issued body stays perfectly untouched. Well, maybe not perfectly untouched. Not if Crowley got his way. He had plans to kiss this ridiculous angel, too. Aziraphale's forehead creased into a slight frown, though it didn't quite manage to dampen his general air of cautious excitement. But, Crowley, I'm not a demon. I don't think I can split myself like that. Aha, uh -huh. Crowley said, holding up a finger like he was a detective in one of those ridiculous movies Aziraphale loved and Crowley pretended he found boring. I've thought about that too. Do you remember that bloke from Aberdeen? Crowley! The expression on Aziraphale's face darkened, giving the impression that a storm cloud had just drifted across an otherwise sunny sky. Please tell me you are not mentioning Howard Pinkler to me right now, Crowley. Crowley cocked his head as though in thought, rubbing his chin with one hand. Howard Pinkler. Howard Pinkler. Refresh my memory, Angel. Howard Pinkler. Is he the one who outbid you on those signed Oscar Wilde first editions back in 87? Because that is exactly the person I'm talking about here. Those were my books, Crowley, Aziraphale said, poking the tabletop for emphasis. Check the inscription if you like. You'll find that it is my name written there, not Howard Pinkless. It isn't my fault the publisher mailed them to the wrong address. I spent a century tracking them down again, only for some... some rude human to snatch them up again, right from under my nose. And what did you do to Howard Pinkler, Angel? Crowley asked mildly. Aziraphale blinked, then blustered. I... I simply kept an eye on the man so that, in the inevitable instance of his death, those books would get lost again in some jumble sale of his earthly possessions. Right, exactly. You kept an eye on him, Crowley repeated. 
When Aziraphale didn't immediately make the connection, he elaborated. You took one of the endlessly uncountable celestial eyes dotting your unknowably vast true form, temporarily plucked it out and set it outside the house of some elderly book collector in Aberdeen to watch and see when he kicked it. What would you have me do, Crowley? Aziraphale asked, aghast. Rob the man? Let him die and risk losing my books again? It was a perfectly reasonable response, Crowley lied. And it's also an illustration of my point. You are an angel, yeah, but you can split a part of yourself off, just like I can. Aziraphale looked at him in growing wonder. His mouth formed a perfect little pink O, and then he began shaking his head. You are a menace. Yep, Crowley said and grinned. An absolute nightmare, Aziraphale continued, rising from his chair. Correct. A wicked demon, Aziraphale said, stalking around the side of the table to where Crowley sat. And a personal nuisance. Every chance I get, Crowley agreed, looking up at the angel. So, what are you going to do about it? In answer, Aziraphale leaned down and kissed Crowley so decisively that he almost fell out of his chair. Now, tell me more about your brilliant plan. Aziraphale mouthed against his lips when he broke the kiss to take a breath of air. What have you brought me to slip a bit of myself into? Ideally, me, Crowley said, and kissed Aziraphale again before he could chide him for a joke that they both knew the angel found funny. But I also brought over a few toys. Show me. Aziraphale practically purred. When Crowley reached for the latch of the suitcase, Aziraphale covered his hand with his own. Show me. Upstairs. Oh, angel. Crowley nuzzled his face against the angels, cheek to cheek. You old romantic. Are you taking me up to the storage room? I'm taking you up to my good storage room, Aziraphale corrected, backing away just far enough to look Crowley in the eyes. You're Good storage room. Crowley fanned himself with a hand. You sure know how to make a demon weak at the knees. Wasn't that the idea? Aziraphale, is this chair varnished? Crowley asked, sliding his backside forward a few inches in the seat before making a show of catching himself on the arms. It's so slick all of a sudden, I'm going to slip off onto the floor. If you do, I'll leave you there, Aziraphale threatened, 
rolling his eyes. He picked up the ends of Crowley's metallic scarf and led him up out of his chair. Once Crowley was on his feet, Aziraphale kissed the tip of his nose. Don't forget your briefcase. I'm told the contents are extremely important. Oh, yes, Crowley nodded, following his angel back towards the spiral staircase. Metal clanged against metal as he thwacked the briefcase into the railing. Very precious goods, these are. Extremely hard to come by. Aziraphale's lips twitched and he closed his eyes, trying to hold himself back from laughing. <laughs> well, if they're that difficult to come by, I hope you kept the receipt. 